Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, This next part in our worship service really comes out of something that we were talking about last week, and that was being glad for God's grace and the grace that God has given us. What, what has he, how has he blessed us? And so what I wanted to do is if there was anybody who wanted to share, uh, one, either what brought you joy in this past year, or was there a scripture that was really um, evident to you, really strong with you in this past year? Um, Sean, did you want to kick things off? And if you've got anything, um, just go ahead and make your way on up to one of these chairs up here. Then I know that we've got someone. If not, then I'm going to share with you what the Lord's given me t- for today. Normally, uh, when I get a chance to tell everybody, uh, I'll tell you about how great Hope Anchors is and all that, but that really has nothing to do with this. So, uh, 2021 was kind of an interesting year for me. Uh, as well as everything as goes and, and everything else, there was actually um, a time in the spring where something was missing in my life. And I just started to feel depressed, and I didn't know why, and just things were just, they were going fine. I mean, podcast was great, golfing was going great, I've made several trips, I've met new people, and, but something was missing, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Uh, Bible study came one night and, uh, one of our young guys came up to me and he goes, uh, Hey, Sean, would you be interested in a dog? No. <laughs> Sorry. Been there, done that. Julie was the dog person in our life. And about two years ago, we, uh, at one time we had two cats, two dogs. And within a year's time, we lost them all. And, uh, so we were like a year and a half without any pets enjoying traveling and doing everything and was like no I had no desire for any type of an animal and that was on Monday Monday night I sat there and something was just telling me you still have to tell Julie so I get up Tuesday morning and I tell Julie hey about this dog and she looked at me and she starts asking me a bunch of questions my mind I still want nothing to do with this dog I said you have the guy's number you just talk to him Wednesday rolls around she doesn't say anything to me Thursday comes, and I start asking, so what's happening? Are we going to do anything? What's going on? And something in my heart kept telling me, Sean, this dog is not for Julie. So Saturday, we're sitting there, and we're in a Meyer parking lot, and and I asked her, I said, so are we ever going to meet this dog? And she goes, well, let me just call him. And so she calls him, and I hear on the speakerphone, 
And this man was depressed that he was giving up his dog. He's going through, he was recently going through a divorce. There are six kids. The dog's at his mom's house. And he's like, and he says, if you meet the I was like, hmm, that was interesting. This is on Saturday. Saturday night, we go to Jimmy Buffett. All right, I wasn't going to go check out a dog, bring it home, and then go see Jimmy Buffett. But I'm sitting here at a Jimmy Buffett concert in the lawn, and I am Googling dog trainers. Dog trainers for German shepherds. I haven't even met this dog yet, but I want to make sure this dog's going to be taken care of. Sunday, we come to church. We call him back, and he says, yeah, it's still at my mom's house. Go check him out. So we go over to his mom, to the dog's where the dog's staying, it's, and it's in a crate. And we ask the mother if we can take her out, and she goes, not in my house. This little boy, it's about four years old, crawls into the crate to play with the dog. Sad. We kind of realize this dog's been in this crate ever since it's been at the mom's house, which is probably about six months. We take the dog outside, the dog just starts running around in the circles, you know, in the yards where it's worn out a path. And Julie and I sit on the deck. The dog comes and jumps on us and starts licking on us and almost like says, please take me home. And we do. <laughs> I go, dog's going, let's go. And the mom's like, sure, here's everything. Take it. That dog, some people say a dog, you know, where I rescued this dog. I'm going to tell you, Cookie rescued me. Joy is with an animal. Like I said, Julie's the dog person. Cookie wants to be by me, listens to me, doesn't really listen to Julie, drives her up a ball. <laughs> we go to training. I've done everything I can. I mean, it's like she did. That was the rescue. You talk about God rescuing people with other people and animals. It's so true. So that was my rescue for 2021. Well, since we've been talking about joy in this past month, there are so many things, including animals that can bring us joy, people can bring us joy, events. I, I'll, the, the time that we got to celebrate with uh, the Abba Father Padre Church, <laughs> sorry, Abba, yeah, Abba Padre Jubilee, um, they, uh, it was really a wonderful time to be able to celebrate, to sing, to be able to communicate in English and Spanish, but I just, it, uh, it was something that I'm, I'm not going to forget. And I had people say, hey, we should do that more often, and maybe we will. But it was really just a wonderful time of being together. But just, a, you know, events and people and animals and, uh, you know, can all bring us joy. But the, the focus really for us, and, uh, and, it, and especially comes from the meaning of joy itself, it comes from what God has done for us and what he has given to us. And so... Our theme verse for this whole series really has been uh, Luke chapter 10 verses, Luke chapter 2 verses 10 through 11 that just simply says, fear not for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. And that good news was tied to the fact that, you know, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And, you know, we've been saying all along that though great joy is a promise for all people, not all people experience great joy. 
And it could be that, you know, our joyometer, that we're, we're full. You know, we've just had a wonderful time of being together with, with family, with friends. It's been a great celebration weekend. Or maybe for some of us, it's been a hard weekend because this, maybe there's still something that hurts in the, in the back of our mind and our hearts because we've been without somebody for a few years now. Uh, but, but what we've realized also is that, uh, that this sense of calm delight, this sense of great happiness isn't something that we should passively wait for. It's something that we can actively pursue. And so as we end 2021 and enter into 2022, I want to encourage you to pursue those things and, you know, whether it's an activity, people, relationships, whatever it might be, pursue pursue those things that are actually going to bring you joy. I know that, you know, we've got things in our lives, we've got hard things that we go through, we got hard people that we do homes that can sometimes steal our, our joy away, but we can find joy in other places, but especially in our relationship with God. So what can we do in this next year to pursue joy? And so what I wanted to do today is we're going to take a look at something that I referred to on Christmas Eve, and it was this narrative that comes out of the book of Nehemiah. And what I want to do is read most of Nehemiah 8. You may not be familiar with this, and yes, Sean, this is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. And part of it is because in this, it's, it's almost like a, a, a two-book story because you've got Ezra and Nehemiah who are writing, teaching, leading. There's, where they're rebuilding their lives, and they're literally rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. And the excitement that's going into this rebuilding effort, and, and especially here, there's this turning point in Nehemiah chapter 8, where, where we see the people going from a sense of mourning to a sense of celebration and rejoicing. And so beginning in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, in a moment, I'm going to actually have us read a section of, section of the scripture together. But it says that all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. And in this next section, I was like, I'm just going to kind of breeze over this because we don't need to know their names, but I just find it to be very interesting. I think what it does say is it says something about the fact that God knows your name. There are not a lot of names listed here. I'm not going to be, you know, running off a, a Christine that they, that scripture that that as they're writing this and as the Holy Spirit is guiding them, inspiring them, uh, God breathing His word in them and through them, that they chose to keep those names in there. There for for one reason or another, there was a sense of recognition of those names, and but it could be also that it's not just Nehemiah and Ezra that are a part of the story. There were a number of people that are a part of this rebuilding process. And whether it's, you know, the, uh, um, a people who are uh, being faithful to see a, a church get rebuilt. And I'm not talking about 
physical property, even though we've had an incredible amount of blessing in terms of what we've been able to do with, with our building, but just the rebuilding of ministry and what we're a leadership team. It's all of us who are working together at doing this. And so I find it to be interesting. You know, the text says, beside him on his right stood Medetiah, Shema, and Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mishael, Milkaijah, Heshem, Hashpadanah, Zechariah, and Meshalom. And Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them as he opened it. And the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted up their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! I mean, could you imagine just, just this sea of thousands and thousands of people where Ezra is up on this platform and he, you know, it, it's just his voice. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a sound system or anything like that, but he is praising God and, and everybody is just screaming out at the top of their lungs, Amen! And Amen! And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebatha, Hodiah, Messiah, Kaleida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. It's not just Ezra who's instructing the people who are there. There are others that are coming alongside of people. Hey, do you understand this? How many of us have had those people who came alongside when we were first, you know, learning what it meant to follow Jesus, but people who came alongside of us. I mean, I had a, a, a police officer who was my, one of my earliest Sunday school teachers. Uh, you know, there were just so many people, plumbers, electricians, just men who were kind of my heroes of the faith. Yeah, I had youth pastors. I had a, you know, a pastor that I dearly loved who was my pastor from fifth grade all the way, goodness, until he passed away about five or six years ago. But the fact is, is that I had so many people in my life who were the ones who came alongside of me. These, these, you know, as I, I call Sean, you know, one of my, my normal friends, you know, he, um, not like he's abnormal or anything like that, but he had somebody come up to him and say, you know, as he's been listening to the podcast, Sean, you ought to, you ought to get some theological training. And, you know, Sean thought a little bit about that, but, you know, you just getting into the word yourself can be one of the people that, God uses to impact someone else. But you got, you have this list of people that God chose to say, Hey, I'm going to put their names in scripture so that you know that this isn't just Nehemiah and Ezra who are part of this rebuilding process. All of these people were instructing the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for words of the law. Now this is the next section where I would like for us to read this out loud together. And it, it begins with verse 10. So Nehemiah, so everybody on the count of three, one, two, three. Uh, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to the Lord our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you have ever heard that passage before? The joy of the Lord. How many of you have sung that song before? The joy of the Lord is your strength. This is where it comes from. 
This is the text that it comes from. Uh, so continuing on, let's read this together. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. I love that. I'm going to continue. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and the Levites, gathered around Ezra the teacher to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Just by way of reminder, this is what I was referring to. They would get together in, in tents or in, in tabernacles and booths, you know, just remembering God's faithfulness that every single year, they would have a celebration of what God did in their history, much like what we do at Christmas time, that every single year we celebrate God's faithfulness. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms, and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. They didn't celebrate this from the days of Joshua. And I love this. Verse 17 says, And their joy was very great. Now remember, they had been mourning. They had been weeping. They had been sad because, you know, their their city had been destroyed. Their lives had been destroyed. Their lives had been upended. And when when Ezra is reading the words of the law and as all of the other teachers are giving them understanding and helping them to apply the text to their lives, they're weeping because they realize that their ancestors physical brokenness, the the buildings, the the temple, everything that had been broken down, the wall that had been broken down, and, and their lives, the brokenness that they had experienced in their lives, came as a result of the unfaithfulness of those who had come before them. And so now, even though their circumstances hadn't changed, they were beginning to sense, have a sense of joy, of that calm delight. And it was because of what Nehemiah had said and commanded, that this is to be a time of rejoicing. So when we hear Jean read this morning the words of the Apostle Paul, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, I find it to be interesting that it comes right after Paul had been very important in my ministry together and they're not getting along very well. What I want you to do is to help them come to a sense of understanding so that they can begin to grow again as, as sisters in Christ. Immediately after Paul gives this church encouragement about these two women who aren't seeing eye to eye, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I say, rejoice. And then, you know, the context, the rest of it, where Paul then begins to talk about kind of the battle of the mind and how we've got to take control of our thoughts and think on these things. And, but the fact is, is that Our circumstances may not change. What needs to change is what's going on inside of us. And from 
Nehemiah and Ezra on to find our joy in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The encouragement is for us to rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, we can rejoice in different things. We can celebrate different things that happen in our lives, birthdays and Christmases and different events and people and that kind of thing. But to celebrate, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And what we're going to do is really with the bulk of our time is just spend time unpacking that really important verse out of Nehemiah. And what I want you to do is, and, and sometimes I, I'll do this. In fact, I, I remember being at Taylor University when some of us guys traveled into Ohio to a uh, precept ministries event where it was teaching us how to study our Bibles precept upon precept. It was K. Arthur's booklet that was based on Second Timothy. Uh, I, I think I still own that, that, that somewhere in my journal collection. But I just remember that being a really incredible time of learning for me because it was then that I realized that in reading a text over and over and over and over again, that sometimes God would give me a particular insight when I had read it for the sixth time that I didn't get on the second time. So sometimes I like to read a small section of scripture over and over again in my mind, but, but then especially to give different words uh, an emphasis. So say this with me and, 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 and say the highlights uh, with the emphasis. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about joy all month. Calm de- delight, gladness, happiness. It is an emotion, but it's also linked to grace. So that, 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 that experience of joy, again, yes, we can experience joy. We can rejoice in a variety of things, but, but the meaning of it is linked to, to God's grace. That joy, rejoicing is linked to the word grace. It all shares the same meaning that God leans in towards us and favors us because he loves us. And, my, you know, myself, as your friend, as your pastor, I, I want you to experience joy. No matter what is going on around you, within you, I want you to be able to have a, a sense of joy in this next year. Scripture talks about having joy in abundance. You know, when, when we're more joyful, we're more fun to be around, aren't we? I mean, you know, yeah. And so, you know, one of my, one of my, one of my favorite memories of this past year. So around the dinner table last night, as we were enjoying Christmas dinner, we were talking about what are the things that, that brought us joy in this past year. And absolutely one of my favorite moments, and it was really only a moment and it was so much fun, but it highlighted such a the moment was that we were around our dining room table and we were playing cards and eating snacks and that kind of thing while in the background we had ABBA. This band that I grew up with because my mom and dad owned, actually I have the collection now, owned I think every single ABBA record album there was to own. And so we had ABBA playing and, and you know, I don't know if it was if change your mind, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, chance take, nay, I'm not going to sing more Abba, but, but, uh, or, or Dancing Queen, one of our, one of our favorite movies to watch is Mamma Mia, yeah, that, that's a fun one, um, but I just remember, I don't even remember what song it was, but 
Roger was singing and he was dancing and it was just so much fun um, to, to see that. But then it was just also, and what made it fun to be able to see that is the fact that they now live 12 minutes from us. What, what, bring, what even brings us joy, and Michelle and I say this every single time we go to uh, Roger, Bonnie, and Rod's house, is just being able to travel the way to get there. Because, you know, Michelle and I, the only thing that we knew of Indiana was going to school in the cornfields up off I-69. So we thought all of Indiana was flat, and all of Indiana was cornfields. But it wasn't until we headed east just five minutes to realize that there are rolling hills and woods and and we can sing, off to grandmother's house we go, you know. And, but it's, it's a beautiful way, the woods, and, and we, get, we get to come to their house. We're there within 12 minutes. They can come over to our house, and we just love that. That absolutely brings us a, a sense of joy. I think Roger, you know, the Abba song is Dancing Queen. I think he's the Dancing King. But I want you to have that sense of joy, and I want you to find joy in a variety of different ways. But Nehemiah told his people that this was the joy of the Lord. And whether or not it's the joy that comes from the Lord or that God is a joyful God, I think that's both correct. I think way too many times, especially, man, people have the wrong idea of God if they think, Oh, the God of the Old Testament, he just seems like he's always angry and love and celebration and joy and that kind of thing. But the fact is, is that this scripture and a very well-known scripture comes to us out of the Old Testament. But joy is in God's character, especially when you realize Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 to 23, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What are we talking about when we talk about the Spirit? We're talking about the very spirit of God. And that as we, on a day-to-day basis, surrender more of us to more of God, and as we allow him to live within us, his presence, this was the promise when Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was coming. It wasn't, it wasn't just about God living with us, like him being beside me, but actually in me, that I begin to supernaturally, you know, God's super comes on my natural to grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the character of God. And when you think about the fruit of the Spirit being love, the second one is joy. But how many times do we treat joy as the last one? The fruit of the Spirit is, and the fruit of God, the character of God is joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. It's in God's character, which is why joy is so very important. It's in his character, but this is definitely something that God and all of heaven love to do. Jesus brought up this story. He told the story. He says, suppose one of you's got, you know, you've got a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Wouldn't you go leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And I just want you to think of yourself. Put yourself in that picture that just as the shepherd goes to find the lost sheep, puts it on his shoulders, joyfully puts it on his shoulders. I just want you to imagine. 
who had gotten lost at the supermarket. And a parent who is going nuts right now. You might have three or four kids, but you better believe you're going to, you may not necessarily leave the three or four kids, right? You're going to take them along with you, but you're going to go try to find that lost child. And when you find the lost child, you're going to celebrate. But I want you to think about the fact that Jesus is talking about God the Father and that when he finds you, when he has found the one who has been lost, puts that one on his shoulders joyfully parading around, giving you a piggyback ride. I love that idea. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy important, and it's because of where you get your strength. That the joy comes from a joyful God. The joy comes, your strength comes, as you realize the joy that comes out of a relationship with God. Whether you're a parent, your mom, your dad, you know your strength is limited. The joy of the Lord can be your strength. Your health can falter. Um, finances, you know, may not be going so well, but the joy of the Lord can be your strength. And our, our joy is knowing that no matter what comes our way, whether it's a personal hardship or something going on with our family, or maybe it's just the, you know, kind of the routine of the ups and downs of life, the good and the bad that comes in life, whether you're feeling excited or exhausted, that through it all, that we've got this relationship that's available to us in God and that his joy can be our strength and that strength is limitless. And what we need to do is put it into practice. We need to seek those things that bring us joy and seek that relationship that brings us joy. Much like what Nehemiah and Ezra were telling the people, saying, listen, I know you've been in mourning right now, and I know this seems really out of place, but I want you to enter into a week of celebration. And it wasn't until after that full week of celebration of pitching tents, I can just imagine... I mean, when I was a teenager, we would go to Wilmore, Kentucky for Ichthus. Anybody ever been to Ichthus? Anybody remember the, anybody ever been to Christian rock festivals? I, I know that a number of us who had been centered around Chicago, maybe you went to Cornerstone. But, but there were literally tens of thousands of us that would be in tents all over this farmer's field and then descending upon this open stage for Christian rock bands all weekend long. But I could just imagine this, you know, that that was the scene, the celebration that Ezra and Nehemiah were telling their people to say, listen, I want you to come together. And I know just, you know, you're, I, I get that you're experiencing this sense of brokenness. I get that our, our city has, has been broken down. But I want you, maybe you've been connecting with us online. Uh, maybe you've been connecting with other churches online. I want to encourage you that whether it's you're getting together with a, 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 a group of people to be able to worship with, or maybe a small group of people to be able to get together in a small group Bible study with, to do life with other people is so vitally important. And I think this is definitely one of the lessons that comes out of what Nehemiah and Ezra were doing. Because they were celebrating, they were worshiping together, but then they were also working together to rebuild each other's lives. So joy, much like anything else in our lives, is something that we need to put into practice. And we've got to practice. Uh, I don't know if you have ever uh, attempted to play an instrument. 
maybe play an instrument live in front of people. I know someone who was a little apprehensive about playing in front of people, and I'm so glad that she's had the confidence to do that because it's added so much to our worship experience. Thank you, Phyllis. Um, but but if, you're, you know, if, you, if you decide in this next year you're going to play an instrument, you've got to practice. If in this next year you decide you're going to take on a new sport or you're going to work out or you're going to you know, do something different nutritionally, you've got to practice and you put it into practice. And the people began to realize that when the Levites and when Ezra and when Nehemiah were instructing them to celebrate, to rejoice, it could be that they were having to rejoice and celebrate before they felt like joy. I, I, I would imagine that this has happened to you. It's definitely happened to me. But there are times when I've not felt like coming to worship. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute, Johnny, you're the pastor. You know, it's like that story. It's like, hon, I don't want to go to church today. You have to. You're the pastor. Oh. Um, but, you know, for, for many of us, there have been times, I'm sure, where we've not felt like coming to worship. But then we come to worship. And then we worship. And then something happens after we have worshiped. There's some kind of, that, there's that calmness, that delight that can return. And that actually happened in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. I'm going to end with this illustration. There's um, a young to attend college. And you might be thinking, oh, okay, that's great. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people were thinking, oh, there's, he's got no business going. Um, he suffered from cerebral palsy. Uh, he couldn't read books because his eyes wouldn't focus. Uh, he couldn't hold on to things very well because his hands, you know, he couldn't clench anything. Uh, and taking notes in a classroom would have been absolutely out of the question. But anybody who knew him would have thought it perfectly understandable if he had never set a goal like this. But that wasn't good enough for him. And it certainly wasn't good enough for his mom. And despite these insurmountable odds, Sumner enrolled at University of Delaware and is for him. Each evening, she would enter the lecture notes into a special computer program whose digital voice read the notes back to Sumner as he studied. Over the course of two and a half years, Susan scanned more than 5,000 pages of textbook material and edited and scanned text for accuracy so Sumner could effectively study. One particular class assignment called for Sumner's mother to go the extra mile. The students were asked to read Liam Callanan's first novel, The Cloud Atlas. The famous author was going to be a special guest lecturer on the campus, and Sumner's mom was not aware that there was an electronic version of the novel, so she retyped the entire book into her home computer. When the class hosted an informal lunch to chat about his book, Sumner offered a, a number of insightful observations and questions. Later that evening, Callanan received a phone call from the professor of the class. Sumner's mom had just spoken with the professor, tearfully telling her how before that meal, Sumner had never eaten in public with anyone other than a family member. He was always afraid he would repulse people who didn't understand. And since he loved reading, though, he wanted to talk about books, and the lunch that day had given him the opportunity. So on the evening of graduation, Susan Spence took a seat in the back of the auditorium and his associate of arts degree. 
And after addressing his fellow graduates at the commencement ceremony, more than 300 students and family members in attendance erupted in a standing ovation for this determined boy and his loyal mom. And at that moment, the joy was more complete than any one of them had ever dreamed possible. I think one of the things we need to realize is though there was so much joy at that commencement, commencement usually means, right, the the end, but there's joy that can come in the process as well. For those of us who work out, sometimes the workout doesn't feel very joyful, but we can find joy in the process and not just in the results that come. Because what's fascinating is that after they celebrate, after they rejoice, they begin again committed to rebuilding their lives, rebuilding their city, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem brick by brick. And I want you to think about this for a moment, that the story of Ezra and Nehemiah is the story of God's people coming home after a 70-year exile to rebuild Jerusalem. Because they returned home, the city was rebuilt, the temple was restored for the eventual arrival the advent of the Messiah. These would be the streets that Jesus would walk. This would be the temple that Jesus would walk beside when his disciples are going, oh, look at how beautiful this is. Centuries ago, it wasn't very beautiful. But there was a a people who decided to continue to celebrate as they, were, as, as they were going through the process of rebuilding each other's lives and rebuilding the city so that God could do something great. Yes, in their time, but maybe in years to come. And it could be that because of your faithfulness in what you're doing to rebuild people's lives at this church, rebuild people's lives in our city, What is it that after we are long gone, there will be people celebrating and rejoicing in this auditorium because of your faithfulness to say, yes, I want to be a part of that movement. Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who truly alone is the reason why Thank you that we can find joy in other experiences and in relationships. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that in this next year, you'll help us to find more joy in our relationship with you as we decide that we're going to dive into scripture a little bit more, as we're going to worship a a little bit more excitedly, meaningfully, as maybe we we, we decide that we're going to pray for five minutes five days a week. Father, I pray that you will help us in this next year, in this next week, in this next day, to realize the strength from the joy that comes from you. 
not only because you've done something to cause calm delight in us, but that, God, you are joyful and joy-filled, God.